When we share our stories, something magical happens. We magnify the power and the purpose that our stories contain. I'm Amanda Solar, the host of Soulful Connections. Come on this journey with me and let's connect. Connection. You are about to meet Dave Collum. Dave and I went to high school together, and we really didn't know each other. I went to a small high school, so of course, I think we knew who each other were, but we didn't know each other, and that's a shame because after getting to know him in this podcast, I realized I have a lot in common with him, and I would have had a lot in common with him in high school. Just another reminder to really get to know the people around you, to see those with whom you're acquainted, and to inquire who they are. Because let me tell you, you might be in the vicinity of someone really cool, and you won't know until you investigate. So this is my reminder to each of us, including myself, to soulfully connect. Now, get ready to meet a really interesting and talented person, Dave Collum. So anyway, I want to just start out by saying that I'm here with Dave Collum, with whom I went to Lansdowne Catholic High School probably somewhere in and among there was the last time we saw each other. In oh person. yeah. I don't, I don't recall seeing you after high school. I don't think I knew you that well in high school. We didn't know each other that well. I knew you, but I don't, I even looked through mine. I have a 1981 yearbook. I took a quick look through and looked at all those people who signed it and like you weren't in there. So I, I don't think I we were in sign the it. Of who we hung out with or whatever. I said to one of my daughters, I'm, I'm talking to somebody tonight with, I went to high school with him, but we didn't really know each other that well. And we haven't seen each other in high school since high school. I mean, <laughs> yeah. but you know, first of all, we had to know at least who each other were in high school because we went to such a small oh, high school. Yeah. I mean, you know I, I, I mean? remember you. It's not that right. I don't remember you. Right. I remember Thank- you. I just don't have any uh, memory of us doing something together. No, no. I don't think we ever had any kind of a conversation that was in any way, you know, memorable probably. But then again, that might be true of all of my high school conversations. I'm not sure. (laughs) That was a long time ago. There's things I forget, you know, and somebody reminds me that. Yeah. But one of the reasons I was so, I was so excited to have you on the podcast is because I've been watching your artwork on Facebook. Because of course, as with everybody, we're connected on Facebook. And um, I just really love seeing your art. Thank you. you. You're really talented. Always wanted to do it. 
I started the whole drawing thing in high school. Um, this is a funny story, actually. I, I got the book Drawing from the Right Side of the Brain by Betty Edwards. So I wanted to draw. I wanted to be able to look at somebody and draw them, but I couldn't. And I went through that book. And next thing I knew, I was drawing people and it looked like them in high school. And the biggest exercise was drawing, taking a photo and putting it upside down so that your brain analyzes it, shifts to the right side instead of you using memory and ideas, your preconceived ideas, and you draw so much better when you do that. And that was really the kicking off of me drawing well. I mean, I drew as a kid, small kid and stuff, but it was never really thought of myself as talented until that happened. And I remember Kevin Deskowitz in our class, he could draw like from his imagination stuff, which is something newer for me. I could never just draw from my imagination, but I, uh, a little over a year ago, I started watching YouTube videos on how to draw from your imagination. I, wanted, I taught myself that. And now I have a couple children's books on Amazon that I sell. Um, really? That's great. Yeah. So I, I do that. So I got drawing, but it wasn't until October, this, this past October, that I decided I wanted to be, a, I wanted to paint. I wanted to up my game and be a painter. So I've been watching, you know, hundreds of YouTube videos. I found a few people that I, it was just some, same thing I learned in college. You know, um, you have a rough time in a class, you know, it's not always you. Sometimes you just need to be taught differently. You get a different teacher or the different way of explaining something. And it's the same with YouTube. You know, you watch something like, oh, I don't know, you try to do it with them, pain or something, you're like not working. And then you find somebody that simplifies some preconceived idea you had. And all of a sudden you're like, oh, I could do that. Like one of the things for portraits was I started out painting top of the head, yellow, middle, red, and the bottom blue and some basic things like that. And then work from that and like start refining. And next thing I know, I had a, a decent portrait. <laughs> you know, it's like just something that triggers the blockage you have. And it made me realize you really can learn to do anything, you know. So did you, when you were in high school, was that your dream? I want to be an artist? I always, well, it's, I always wanted to create something new. I mean, mm -hmm. as a real kid, I wanted to be a wizard than a mad scientist. So that's how it started. I love it. And I never lost that feeling. Um, but I was always drawing, like, even when I didn't, before I had that book and stuff, I was drawing. I just loved to draw and create stuff. I remember in the... Um, Mrs. Jacoby in science that did some picture of her looking like a monster and I didn't she saw it I didn't plan on showing her and then she showed it to the class I was, was gonna like, say Mrs. Jacoby probably loved it she did she was so excited I was like all worried she'd like hold it against me because I didn't it didn't make her look good <laughs> but you know, and I liked her I didn't want to offend her but you know but she seemed like she thought it was fun you know I think that she she was that type who could appreciate the creativity and imagination that went into that. So is that like, did you major in fine art? I thought about it. I wanted to. If I chose what I wanted, there was two things I would have majored in. It would either have been art or consciousness studies. Yes. I say consciousness studies because in the middle of high school, I had an out-of-body experience. And that was triggered, I think, by read, reading Way of the Peaceful Warrior that um, Rich Burns lent me. Do you remember him? Oh my gosh, of of course, I remember Rich Burns. Book, I read that, and the next day I had an out-of-body experience. And then ever since I was in the library trying to figure it out and pursuing, studying different religions, different meditation, I meditated. Even, even in grade school, I actually did med some meditation because I was always interested in understanding the unknown. And uh, 
Plus, I've always suffered from anxiety. So it was one of my ways of dealing, trying to learn how to overcome anxiety since I was little. And um, so, you know. Well, I have to say, we should have known each other better in high school. I wish we would have because I started doing yoga in fifth grade. Because I got some book at the Scholastic Book Fair and it was called Yoga for Young People. (laughs) And every evening I went out on my back deck and I did yoga. I, I, as a podiatrist, I always thought, you know, if everybody did yoga, it would keep people out of the nursing homes. So is I mean, that what your career? I'm a, yeah, I'm a podiatrist. That's what I quit to become an artist. Oh my gosh. I so shock everybody that knows me. <laughs> I yeah. love it. So you went to school and did you decide, okay, I'm going to, well, how did well, it turn out that you became a podiatrist? Yeah, that was later. I didn't do that at first. I, uh, you know, I, I don't know. I get, I think everything runs like a 10 year cycle, you know, I agree with you. Ten years, I'm really good at something, but when I'm really good at something, I need the next thing. Like I've yep. mastered bonsai in terms of creativity and then like, it just isn't enough now. So now, no, I agree. The, but, uh, my, no, after high school, I went and got a mechanical engineering degree. And then I had a job for a few months. I hated it. I was in an office with a suit and checking machinery and and making the same I could have made with the family business of stucco, which I had always worked with my father in the summer and stuff. So I went back to stucco, which has some creative aspects to it, especially I would invent textures and stuff for people when they wanted something unique, you know. So I kind of liked and I like outside and all that. Um, and then 10 years later, you know, I wanted you know to have a family and I wasn't really a great businessman so doing the stucco I was giving everybody a deal everybody a break and wasn't really making much of a living um so uh I was married my first wife I was married during that time it was I had bought a small house in Tylersport and all that and had adopted her, her son and uh but that was rough we lived on very little and uh but, you know, I would work weekends, nights and, and all that. But after so many years and starting to feel what I thought was arthritis and working so hard and stuff, I'm like, uh, and then I met another woman with two daughters and uh, adopted them. And uh, luckily, no no fathers interfering with the relationship. So I'm, I'm the, the very That's close. I'm the right. father. You know, there's none of that right. sharing fatherhood or anything like that. And they're I'm close nice. to them all especially the girls, my, you know, sons, he's up in Pennsylvania. I'm here in Florida. He, uh, you know, sons, you know, like girls, they talk to me every day. <laughs> you know, my son, it's probably every True. two weeks, you know, uh, yes. but still, and I have grandkids now. I've got the uh, four grandkids, you know, two from my son and two from my oldest daughter. So that's amazing. So- <laughs> then after 10 years, that's when I went back to school to be a podiatrist. You know, I kind of wanted to prove, I, first of all, I never thought of myself as somebody who could be a doctor. And I was studying Toltec wisdom, Toltec philosophy. And one of the things is proving to yourself you can do anything, being in the world, but not of it. So it was the the practice of being, excelling at something, even if it's uh, not what you had thought you could do, like breaking oh, the fascinating about yourself you know you're a product of all your mental programming since childhood and and Uh your Toltec philosophy that you got the idea is to break free from that and realize you can do anything 
and make your dream mm -hmm. true, um, which is what I'm doing, trying <laughs> doing. Um, right. So I went to podiatry school and it was hard at first after 10 years of construction. Sure. I had to, I realized how much memorizing it was. Medical school is very different from engineering. See, I was always good at math and science. So my engineering school wasn't hard for me. It was like, wow. It was easy, except when I had to do something practical. I did not fit in with engineers because they could go design a car. And once it got off the paperwork and theory, I don't know what I'm doing. Interesting. Yes. <laughs> the yes. body I think would be that harder. It's no, it was like easier. Uh, but but memorizing, I had to memorize so much. And that was no, I wasn't used to that. But luckily I learned I had people that helped me in school that had knew how to do all the tricks. They knew everybody used back tests for study. They had all these memorization techniques to memorize stuff. And I never used that. I always just straight learn things. I never used tricks to learn things. And I realized that's how you get through medical school. And I did well. Wow. Them, and been doing that for, you know, graduated medical school in 2000 from Temple University School of Podiatric Medicine. Oh my gosh. That for over 20 years. And now I'm, you know, I had an episode. <laughs> okay. So before we get into you putting, you know, changing your life right, and, and just whole. devoting it to art, right. I have to ask you, because that is so unusual. It's really unusual to make these kind of pivots. It, yeah. it just is. I mean, I haven't delved into Toltec philosophy. I've read, of course, The Four Agreements. Yeah, uh, did a year program with his main apprentice, Shuri Rosenthal. For a while, she lived here in St. Petersburg, Florida. And we had one weekend a month, I would go and hang out with a group of people and we'd work on shaman, you know, Toltec shamanism. And Oh, that's so cool. Get rid of those preconceived beliefs and a little bit of woo-woo right. stuff too, because I liked all the out-of-body stuff. And Oh, I do too. I mean, I just, I just this week... Finally, I completed my certification um, for primordial sound meditation. So I am now an instructor, um, or at least I'm certified to be an instructor. But do you, um, what do you attribute being able to do that? That's such bravery. Is it your mom and dad that they just instilled? Um, to switch to go to medical i never would have been brave enough to go you know what i'm going to change my life i'm going to go to medical school i'm going to you know i'll tell you the real reason of that um because of the it's because of the out-of-body experiences a lot of it because what that taught me all the different varied experiences i had is that even now the physical reality we're in it's the same thing you're still in a dimension you're just focused in it but it's not any different from the other, some of the other dimensions I've been in, some of which were just as real as this one. Um, yes. Sometimes even um, I made this one seem kind of gray, like, like it had more intensity in it. So, and actually had like physical attributes, feeling and everything else. So um, that really opened my eyes. So when I started viewing this life as a dream, I don't know, that made me more courageous. You know. Now, when you were growing up, do you have siblings? I am one of five. I'm the middle child. Oh my gosh. Of course you're the middle child. <laughs> um, is that like, were your parents always talking about these larger um, concepts? Quite the, quite the opposite. I, um, I grew up 
uh, being the child that my parents couldn't understand, <laughs> you know, I was, yeah. when everybody else went to church, like in high school and stuff, I went to the, the park in Lansdale where the deer was, if you remember that, I don't know. Um, I, forget the name. I grew up far from Lansdale, even though I went to school in Lansdale, so. Yeah, I would go there and listen to meditation tapes in the car uh, once I could drive and and just hang out with the deer a little bit and go meditate in the car and then pretend I went to church. You know, that's that was more I, of a church for me. <laughs> I actually just had a glass of champagne with somebody the other night who she had four brothers and she said they could get away with going and just grabbing a church bulletin, putting it on the table. <laughs> and she had to sit between her parents, but... Um, that is so interesting to me. Yeah, no, my, um, my parents were very practical. My dad was a plasterer all his life. Everything was about doing, working in the trades. Um, uh -huh. And my mother didn't want us to do that. And But, you know, she was very dutiful, very good mother. I love her very much. But all the, the you know, some of these interests I had and, and my, I was a sensitive kid and she, you know, my my parents weren't exactly the, sensitive type <laughs> yeah. well and the other thing is that you know, generation yeah. they were tougher you know that's it i mean right like i was saying to somebody if i had ever said to you know my parents you know I, i'm just not feeling up to to going to school today i'm just not emotionally ready like they would have been like what are you talking about <laughs> you know it's it's just a different when yoga do you ever do the chakra dhyana meditation no, I mean, well, I have done. Oh, really? I'll, I will yeah. explore it. Yeah, I, I've had using that, you know, where you're working through the chakras, you're chanting the sounds. I do it with I do it with YouTube. <laughs> There's like a 20 minute version of it. And with that, I've seen auras. I've, I've uh, it's had set me up for lucid dreaming the night, you know, during the night. It's it's really you when you do it, when I do it multiple times in a row. Um, through you know through the week um it really opens up psychic centers or something you okay really... so i'll have to do that i mean i've done little i've been led through different sh chakra meditations but i don't think that specific one i think they've been just modified versions of whomever was teaching a course yeah. um i like it I... For beginners too because you know they've you tell somebody to stare at a candle flame or something and try to clear their thoughts forget it you know when you're a beginner but if you give them something to do like a walking meditation, but a chant, you're chanting sounds, it makes it easier. Yeah. I'm sorry, well, I interrupted. No, I think that's really interesting. And I, when I did yoga too, I mean, I didn't even know why I was drawn to it or what I was doing. I, I just, but I always had a fascination for it. And I just, it's been like a thread through my life. And then when I was intrigued by this when I started to get this meditation certification, I just thought I want to be certified in something. It was so random yeah. and yet not, you know, when I started to learn it, um, primordial sound meditation is interesting because it's silent. You don't say anything right. and you actually get, you know, a primordial sound. And for somebody like me, that was quite a journey because I don't, journey into silence see I, I find that interesting because you know um i think it the kind of like i'm very visual like most of my thinking like i don't think in words which is probably why you know i went to speech therapy all through grade school i 
I, I was a little nervous even about this podcast, you know, because of every time I had to talk, I'm, I don't know, I don't feel I'm a good speaker usually, even though my daughter tells me I've, I'm much better than I used to be. And I got over my speaking because I taught bonsai in groups and that helped. Oh, how cool. But um, it, when I meditate, some of it is me quiet, you know, being quiet, closing my eyes, and I wait for light to show up. Like you're, you're, you're waiting for that primordial sound. I'm looking for like primordial light and then it will come and come bigger. It will transform and eventually you end up in that hypnagogic state. Like before you go, you fall asleep kind of a state. And if you could stay conscious that often that's where you can propel an out of body experience from. Exactly. And that's what, you know, with, with this particular meditation, it's kind of searching for that gap between thoughts. And so they use that mantra as a tool to remove yourself from thought and even meaning and yeah. that for me is a huge exercise because my whole life is about words i yeah. write i read i speak i think when i'm talking to somebody else i actually think and process verbally so i almost felt angry when i started to do it even though i've meditated but i it was a real learning journey and it shows that exactly where you were needed to be, what to do. Absolutely. It just wasn't accidental because I went into it going, whatever. You know, path when things synchronize, when there's a synchronicity, you know, that's always the guidepost for me. Like when things just happen to seem to click, I don't believe in coincidence and synchronicity. No. The universe. Absolutely. And yeah, it's, it's, it's amazing the way the path kind of explains you know, opened up for me through this. Um, so your painting now, you just decided, okay, I'm, I'm, I love this. This is what I, I want to do. I was trying to improve my drawing for the children's books, you know, for Amazon. And then I was trying to do more than just drawing and then filling in blocks of color. I wanted to like shade it. And, and I was like, it was slowing me down so far. I'm like, you know what? Um, and then I started watching videos on painting and I'm like, oh, I really wish I could do that. <laughs> you know, I, I would love to be a painter. And I started like learning, like, you know, I've heard of Van Gogh and Monet and these people, but I never really studied any art history or any of that. And so I'm watching videos on their art and I'm like getting so caught up in the feelings of the art and all that. And it's just, for me, I'm like, that's what I want. I want to make a painting and somebody looks at it and I, I transport them with the painting almost kind of along the idea of, you know, what do I want to do for a while? Like I always wanted to be like this wizard. Well, why? Because I want to prove to people the magic of, of what they are and where they, what, you know, their existence and reality and all that. And now I feel like art is a way I can do that. You know, so. I love it. I was just talking today and I think that sometimes, you know, our words fail us. We try to talk about something, especially something that's maybe a crisis or something really profound. And I do think that art kind of gets to those dark corners that words can't quite reach. Um, I'm not an artist and I don't even have artistic proclivity. Like I never think, oh, I wish I could paint that. I, I don't have it. But I do but, but love- you, If you wanted to, it just isn't your thing. If you're it's not, just not my desire, you know? you know right. yeah and I love artists I'm always 
fascinated and entranced by people who have that compulsion to create in that form. As a matter of fact, as you're talking, I'm thinking, oh my gosh, I have to start gathering artists together. Even if we do like a Zoom. That would be cool. But yeah. And one of the artists I, I think you would make a great connection with is Daniel Antonison. So I'll actually, well, I'll have to get you together. And in the meantime, I'll send you some of his work. Well, that would um, be great. Because you're remind you, you know you you're talking his language. <laughs> um, so what are the two children's books about? Um, um, Katie's little tree. I don't I don't think I have them laying around. I'd show you quick. But uh, if you go look under Dave column, not David, on Amazon, you'd see them. But it's it's two stories where um, because I use bonsai, but I want it's a way to introduce small like three to five year olds to that concept of bonsai. Um, because in the bonsai community here in Florida, people know me. So that was kind of my, my end thinking, you know, maybe they get the books for their grandkids and stuff, you know. Right. It's And I used orangutans because my daughter's work with orangutans prompted that idea. So I made like comic orangutans, a little child orangutan with the grandfather and they learning, you know, learning how to take care of a tree and, and going to uh -huh. a show and, you know, so. So yeah. can you explain what you mean by your daughter takes care of orangutans? <laughs> well, she works for uh, PASA. What's that? That's the Pan-African Sanctuary Alliance. And they have a, wow. a number of sanctuaries all over Africa. Um, but in her training before that job, she went in with uh, Dr. Gaudicus and worked with her, which is the top person for orangutans in the world or whatever, um, who's a kind of like uh, uh, Jane Goodall's uh, counterpart with orangutans and my daughter's met Jane Goodall or write some you know the paper or whatever you know she's worked did you say your her. daughter has met Jane Goodall has worked a little bit with Jane Goodall that yeah. is so cool yeah, she, yeah but you know so she worked with orangutans in her before getting the pasta job but now pass is about apes in Africa and supporting those sanctuaries so most of her work is 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 online she can work from anywhere but she okay. often travels. actually she's in africa now you know she, but she has a boyfriend there so that was part of the reason for that but, sure. but she had, not too long ago came back from a work thing in africa where she goes they run a conference and the various they check on the sanctuaries and you know, oh that's super cool yeah. that's really cool you know people don't realize you know these apes and stuff they're they're people oh yeah people that woods like it's you know people treat them like they do any animal and not that you should treat any animal bad I, I'm, I'm discovering that i think all animals are way smarter than people realize um i was reading about crows you know they're like comparable to a seven-year-old i'm like that's pretty impressive for you know a crow because they their brain actually works in a different way we thought they weren't because they didn't have so much white matter but it turns out they use some of their gray matter differently than we do you know and they're actually way smarter than anybody had ever thought and i'm sure that's true for many animals, you know i so agree. As a matter of fact, I was just speaking about our guinea pig. We have a lot of animals in this house, but the little guinea pig, you would not believe. I mean, he's like, hey, girl, <laughs> he is very like loving and excited to see us. And and crows, when we were little, there was a crow in our neighborhood that we all called Jack and we used to play with him. 
And the weird thing is, and this is going to sound like I made it up, but it's a true story. The police came and took Jack to the mountains because they didn't want us to play with him. It was like this big deal. And we were so sad. And somehow the neighborhood thought it was a danger. Right. <laughs> you know, yeah. so crazy. But yeah. but I read I read a book by Jane Goodall recently called The Book of Hope. And I just loved it. I just, it's, it's not, it's a, you know, not a big book, but it actually is a warning tale about what's happening in the world, but it's also um, hopeful. Yeah. She's such you a force of good, you know, Jane Goodall. And she's my daughter, amazing. On that same path. Yeah. So you're now a full-time artist. Yeah. I mean, I'm not making any money yet, but. Right, right. Get good fat. Like I told you, I just started in October and I, you've seen some of my artwork. So I, I've been told by other artists that I definitely have something that I can work from. They said, you're already good enough that you can probably make stuff I can sell. So, you know, like my next painting is going to be, I, I haven't drawn things from life. And, that, and Joe yes. Perka, for him from our class? I do. An art professor and he does that, uh, the uh, Smokey the Bear. Yeah. Well, that's I uh, have that book. I got yeah. I connected recently through Facebook with him. He's been giving me some pointers and giving that's me things. Right. Something gives gives me advice and and he says that I was his inspiration. He remembers me doing that drawing in high school. He told me that's what got him interested. And it was his inspiration to follow art, which is so funny because now I'm looking. I watch his doodles on the train and all this stuff he posts, and he stuck part of the inspiration of me getting back into it. So it's like come full circle you know that's it's, really that's cool affects something so much it could be later in time something small you know and you know it affects your life Everything's you know correct. and there's another artist and he's he's an artist but he also has this um online art gallery where it's bringing affordable art to people so everything is under 500 dollars. but i would love to link you with him as well yeah. i did do a podcast with him also um but he he's an art consultant, but he's he's really, really um, interesting. And, you know, I just, there's something about artists where I think as you and I are talking, definitely we should have kind of gatherings because yeah. it's such an yeah, important endeavor, yeah. you know? So Dave, what is your idea of a perfect day? A perfect day. Yes. Um. I don't know. I feel like I've been having them, you know, like my wife, I'm lucky. My wife, Linda is so supportive. You know, not, I don't think the typical wife would be very supportive of their doctor husband, you know, way before retirement age, you know, decides to quit <laughs> and go That's from awesome. income to, to nothing. Um, you know, and we weren't the best retirement planners or, you know, luckily right. we have a home that's worth so, some money because we were smart and adding on to it and where we have it that it's it's you know it's gone the growth of it's been good so that's that's our fall plan if something goes wrong, right that'll save us right now i actually walled half the house off because we don't have all the kids and stuff now it's half of it's being airbnb so that's that's helped with income oh that's great but yeah my perfect day is now i i wake up i could stay in bed a little longer my wife and i will have coffee you know watch the news on TV, you know, she'll go, she teaches exercise class and then bartends at a theater in downtown Tampa. You oh, know? how cool. And, uh, 
you know, so I have, I come down, I, I think about my painting. If, if there's something I'm working on and I'm stuck, I find a YouTube video that might help unstick me, you know, and yeah. I can fuss. I'm not, you know, do, do part of it, watch some more YouTube videos, you know, go take a walk, you know, um, now and then I go to my fishing buddy, Bob, who's around the corner, go on his boat sometimes to fish, but perfect day is, you know, me not having to be stressed out about work painting being creative and you know nice cool day i spend some time out in nature you know I, see that sounds like a perfect day yeah i'm a simple guy I don't, it's not like i need to have fancy stuff or yeah things you know, you know i like yeah. peace I like to be creative and i like to feel loved by my family and friends and that's it what about one last thing i want to know what kind of inspires you where do you go for inspiration? Um, well, it's kind of, you know, I'm one of those, I was always an introvert and I was always very much the kind of person that kind of lived in my head. So inspiration is something I've always constantly have. I, I constantly have visual ideas and things. And a lot of like in the painting, eventually, you know, I, when my skills are really good and I'm consistent, and I have some kind of income from practice on the practical side. I really want to pursue painting things from my out of body experiences. So oh. I've had hundreds, so I have plenty to draw from. Hey, and that is so cool. And and I really have some great imagery that that is in my brain. It's it's not I don't forget it, and I'd like to get that on canvas. So oh my gosh, that is so amazing. That is really really cool. That's awesome. Um, I have one last podcast question that I sometimes ask people at the end, and it's probably a hard question, but that never stops me. <laughs> if you had one thing that you that everybody could know, you could just share this one thing with everybody in the world, essentially, what would it be? What would you tell them? You mean know about me? Just know in general, one like life change or one message that you could impart to people. Um, just lose the ability to hate. Mm. Because, you know, no matter how horrendous something might seem to you, um, the answer isn't in hate, you know, never will be. Yep. So you can dislike all you want, but when it goes to hate, that's just a useless thing if I, if I could eradicate with a magic wand all absolute hate that would be gone <laughs> perfect <laughs> thank you oh yeah it was, it was fun thanks for listening i hope you're able to connect the dots between your story and the one you just heard if you like this podcast please consider giving it a great rating and subscribe and send any thoughts, any ideas for topics, any types of guests you want to hear from to me at amanda at soulfulliving.com. That's S-O-L-F-U-L-I-V-I-N-G. Hey, and listen, if you know a great guest you want to introduce me to, like Oprah, just saying, I'm totally up for it. Finally, I would love to ask you to give a rousing round of applause to William Aronson, who wrote, produced, and performed the Soulful Connections theme song. Thank you, Bill.
and thank you.